Hi everybody, you're listening to the Rogue Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom, and we're work partners. and have been practicing together for a couple of years, and we're very excited to share our passion for work with you. And we live in Thailand. Yes, we do. Maya, today we are talking about an ouchy topic. <laughs> okay, what's it's, the topic? It's when rope hurts the wrong way. The wrong way, a the bad wrong way. way. Yeah, we like, we like it when rope hurts in a nice way, don't we? Yes, but it can hurt in not such a good way, and that's what we are talking about today. And I wonder if today is going to be one of those episodes that puts some people off rope, but I also don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, yeah, I think people should know what they're getting into, and if they feel the risks are too high, that's completely fair and okay. Yeah, yeah. So, Maya, you are a rope bottom. You've I been, am. You've been in a lot of rope. I have been in a fair amount of rope, yes. You've, for you've sure. been um, injured by rope before, and I guess we've mentioned uh-huh. that uh, in the rest of this conversation. Can you enlighten us on what <laughs> kind of injuries you expose yourself to? when doing rope? Um, yes. So um, the one that people are um, particularly afraid of and conscious of is nerve damage. Yeah. So this is where you damage a nerve in your body, and the impact of that can be that um, sometimes often, in fact, a different part of your body um, may uh, be numb or um, burn or have a- another kind of nerve injury. And nerves are pretty delicate things, aren't they? They are, and some of them are um, very close to the surface, and um, there are definitely some nerves that are easier to injure than others, uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, And they take a while to heal once they've been damaged. Well, if, yeah, if they do. I mean, nerves, um, nerve damage can be uh, quite long term, um, and it can turn into a chronic injury. Yeah, that's like our least favorite kind of rope. Yes, we are not looking for that very much so. Um, So that's one. Yeah. Um, You can also have just regular bruises. Those those we kind of like sometimes, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not so bothered about these. I would say right this moment I have a number of rope-related bruises. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes, thank you for that gift, sir. Um, Mm. And, yeah, um, unless they're in a place where they hurt like every minute of every day that is something's pressing against so I have to say I don't love the ones under my bra straps Uh, like a a chest harness maybe (laughs) yeah some of the chest harness bruises or if you do a vertical that are under a bra strap or um, underneath where I carry my bag because I have to carry a shoulder bag almost all the time and so that I don't love Um, but in general um, yeah you can get bruises from rope uh, and as you say lots of people don't mind them or indeed like them. That's like a <laughs> reminder of how much your sir loves you. <laughs> all day long. Little uh, little love marks all over my body. Um, and the thing about those is we just have to be careful where they are. So um, a good example, actually, is the Futo tie 
um, where you can easily get a bruise on the shin, mm -hmm. which can be seen by other people. Um, and I think that's one people don't think of so much, getting bruises from rope when you don't mean to, even not in suspension. So the stuff we did yesterday wasn't a suspension, but I still have bruises from the futon. Sure. And in some cases, those bruises might be of a pretty distinctive shape and might really look like a rope mark. Yeah, and that's an, that's an interesting one, because obviously, I mean, I've been out of the house many times, like yesterday again, um, with rope marks on my ankles, mm -hmm. and I don't know that people even notice, but obviously, if, um, if you have very distinctive bruises that could be recognized as BDSM bruises, um, that can be an issue with your work, with family, and with medical professionals, um, because... The go-to uh, for some nillers is that you have some kind of abuse in your relationship because yeah. it's atypical to yeah. have. And, and I think, I'm not a lawyer, but I think in some countries medical professionals are even required to report it if they see uh, signs on your body that are consistent with physical abuse. Um, I think they are with children. I don't know if they are with yeah. adults. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be doing rope on children, people. <laughs> strictly adult only activity. I just mean in terms of their legality to call. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Um. I was, I was kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, we have, we discussed with some friends the other day uh, ways to explain away bruises if you do have them, and uh, some people mentioned saying things like "I fell from a motorcycle" or "I went to a kickboxing lesson." So you can. You can try to go that route if that works for you. And shin bruises, actually. I mean, I bump into things all the time. You really do. <laughs> Thank you. So it's very, um, it's very believable that I might have shin bruises from hitting my leg on the bed or something. Yeah. Um, um, that being said, do ask your partners what they are okay with. Uh, type of bruise, location of bruise. Um, and especially if they have other partners, they might have agreements like, okay, you're playing with someone who's a sub, she has a dumb, her dumb is okay with her doing rope with someone else, but he doesn't want to see someone else's marks on her body. That's a fairly common situation, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, um, we can see uh, rope burns or rope abrasions. Mm -hmm. Um, so I will sometimes get abrasions from um, harnesses or from usually from suspension where you're putting a lot of weight on something mm -hmm. and maybe there's a tiny bit of um, slippage. Uh, yeah. So not very much at all is needed, I can tell you that. Um, but you can get uh, blisters, I certainly have blisters, or you can get just um, the skin uh, abrading. Mm -hmm. um, and at its worst, you can get a... A burn, which in fact I believe you have ended up. Oh uh, yes, I have actually burnt myself with my rope <laughs> with your own rope while yeah. tying people. Yeah, but yeah. my worst burn, which I think, let me check. I think I still have the scar from it. And yes, yes, I do. On my foot, was actually uh, inflicted by a rug. Okay. <laughs> In a very intense rope scene, I was moving around quite fast to do my thing on the rug and I got a terrible, terrible case of a third degree rope, uh, third degree rug, rug burn. burn. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you can also have burns and abrasions that are intentional and not only accidental yeah. because it's actually yeah. an interesting kind of play. Obviously, 
the thing we said about bruising and checking what your partner is okay applies double because the marks from burns to abrasion tend to stay a lot longer than bruises. A rope burn might never go. Yeah. Uh, that's, which, that's a scar that might last. Which honestly can be kind of nice if, if. all participants want that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing that we can get, of course, is um, things from, from falling. So not necessarily from the rope itself, but if your rope slips or breaks uh, or if you trip on your mm -hmm. rope. Lose um, balance somehow. Yeah. Uh, then you could fall and, and then obviously you can get a head injury, you can get broken bones, and then the injuries can be serious in quite a different way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spinal injuries are a thing uh, that can be pretty worrying. Mm, yeah. Uh, so those are more rare, but they can be pretty serious. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so those are some of the things. So how do we identify these different um, these different injuries? Well, blocks? if we if we focus first on the nerve aspect, because I think it's the most worrying, because it's the the worst combination of how often you get it and how bad it is when you get it. So that's yeah, it's quite point. common and pretty bad. Exactly. Uh, being familiar with your body's signals is very useful. So understanding what a nerve impingement may feel like and there's different ways it manifests. Uh, it can be like feeling like electricity. It can be uh, pain or weird sensations in particular areas such as, for instance, the thumb and the first two fingers versus the last two fingers. When you have a very clearly designated area like that, that tingles or does something weird, usually you're in the presence of a nerve being affected. Uh, you can kind of practice feeling what that uh, feels like by gently poking at certain nerves, especially on your arm and and knowing what that and learning what that feels like and it's quite good i think to be uh, aware of those signals yeah yeah um and it's worth understanding where the nerves are the main nerves in the body yep. um and in fact i might i saw a good chart the other day so i might include that in our show notes for mm -hmm. people um but the more you understand as you say like the nerves in the hand where the same nerves don't go to all of the fingers, mm -hmm. the easier it is to identify, oh, actually, I know that's a particular nerve, so that, that might be a nerve injury that's come. Yep. Um, and that allows you to discriminate between nerve sensations and circulation sensation. Yeah. And I want to add as well to the nerve signs that knowing what rope, the rope that you're doing and how it is likely to affect you is also really important. So knowing that arm rope, mm -hmm does a certain thing um, or does could do certain things I think is is super important yeah uh, sidebar though because people can be very uh, obsessed with checking for signs and squeezing their partner's hand during oh, the squeezing, the every squeezing. five minutes um, it's important to say that a some nerve injuries will not display any symptom before hours and hours after you're out of the rope yeah. So no sign doesn't mean no injury. Um, and also, by the time you've got a clear sign, it is a good idea to untie as fast as possible, slash potentially in some cases cut the rope. But it might 
it's fairly likely to be too late and there's an injury already if you've got those sensations. So personally... But you can stop them getting worse. You can stop them getting worse and taking longer to heal, definitely. But I would say, as a rigger, I prefer uh, a strategy based on avoiding injury than on checking for those signs and reacting when they appear. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the circulation sensations that you mentioned, um, I, I think one of the challenges here is that there can be some overlap in how they feel. Um, but typically, it's more like when you get um, pins and needles. Do, 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 yeah, okay. So I don't know if it's the same words in America, pins and needles. I believe it is. Okay. So um, when you've been sitting on your foot um, or lying on your arm in bed or something, and then you move and you have a kind of numbness and then like a fizziness um, in that area. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, it's a tricky one because on the one hand, circulation issues are not nerve damage yep. and people often panic when they feel circulation and they think that they're going to get um perhaps have their arm cut off because they've yeah. got no sensation whereas in in fact unless you're cutting circulation for a very very long time you probably won't have uh, major lasting problems from a circulation issue yeah and it's fascinating to see sometimes on um rope pictures where like it from a futo where the, there's a lot of circulation stuff going on and uh -huh. the, rope, the leg has gone in a different colour. It's fascinating to see people attack the person yeah. for injuring the bottom um, when, in fact, there's not nerve issues there. Yeah, and, um, and in, in scenes that are, I'm going to say, newer, in rope scenes that are newer, it's quite common for people to say uh, that rigors that cause uh, change of color due to uh, circulation are bad riggers. Obviously, that's not the case on the group mm. at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what it can do is mask a nerve injury. So that's yep. the tricky thing. So there is a safety piece around, realistically, you know, you might want to um, not go have your circulation cut too long because you can't tell what else is happening. Sure. And there's also a dimension of some people might enjoy this sensation of numbness from the circulation being cut a bit. Some people might detest it. So if, if your bottom doesn't like it, then don't do a tie that will do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also one that is less common in nerve uh, damage, which is a nerve being stretched. Because mostly when we talk about nerve damage and nerve sensations, we think of a nerve being pinched or crushed. But you can also get damage from a nerve being stretched. And uh, there was a very interesting rope incident report recently where a person explained uh, a situation like that with a uh, tepu tie and suspension. And she described it as a burning line of fire. Yeah, yeah. So I think that one's worth knowing about as well, that just because there's not um, numbness that you might still have issues. Yeah. The better you know your body and the better you know how your body reacts to pain, the more easily you can differentiate between good pain and bad pain. Yeah, definitely. So, Maya, if uh, if the worst comes to worse and uh, an injury seems to be happening, how should we react? So, as a bottom, I think you have a responsibility to keep an eye on your body and to provide feedback to your rigor. I would agree. Um, and that means saying, or, um, you know, potentially I have some numbness in my... In my hand mm -hmm. or if there's something more serious then 
giving feedback and asking to come down. So if you know, if you can feel that there's a problem, then ask to come down because you can go back up again. Yeah, like, definitely. And and I would say that is a responsibility that for me falls to the bottom to say, okay, I know my body, I know my limits. Now it's time for me to come out of the rope. Yeah. And that responsibility lies for me with the bottom. And the rigorous responsibility is when your bottom tells you it's time to come out of the rope, take her out of the rope immediately. That doesn't yeah. mean you have five minutes to take another photo or finish that thing you were doing because you really want to get to the end of it. If, she's, if she says, take me out now, it means take me out now. Yeah, and, and I think that's really important because we've definitely read reports on the rope injury uh, reports of people saying, oh, it'll be easier if I... Um, but then it isn't. Or oh, just finish yeah. this bit. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've, I've witnessed uh, people say, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll just take the photos because we're doing this for a photo shoot. I haven't taken the photos yet, so just let me finish the photos, then I'll take you out. I don't consider that acceptable. If someone no. wants out, they want out. Yeah, and, and like I say, you can always continue the scene. It doesn't have to be the end of the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but the risk that you're taking if you stay in or if you keep someone else in i mean it for me it verges on becoming a soul at that point which is not ideal yeah um okay so we also need to not make it any worse so how how do we make sure that when our injury is happening we don't we don't make it any worse well we secure the scene because if uh, we're in csi no not that kind of secure the scene more like first aid kind of secure the scene Uh, As in, if an incident has happened, probably things are a bit chaotic, are a bit messy. So we look at potential things that could hurt the person who's hurt more or could hurt other people. Like Like trip hazards or... Trip hazard or we just... just, Yeah, exactly. That's a typical example. Just cut some rope in an emergency, left a knife open on the floor, someone's going to step on it. So first of all, yeah, we we avoid... going from an incident to several incidents or a bigger incident. And we try to, if necessary, get the people to a safe, quiet space. Uh, If we're in the middle of a dance floor in a club that's having a BDSM night, probably not the best place to handle uh, an injury. So we get people safely to a nice, quiet space where we can, like, not panic and do things uh, purposefully. And trying keep not panicking. I think, especially as the top, which I think can be very difficult, mm-hmm. is is super helpful. Yeah. Um. And the more you've prepped in advance for, okay, what do I do in the case of an injury? I think the easier that's likely to be. Definitely. Uh, then there's something about providing support early into the process, and then there'll be continued support uh, all through the the story of the injury. I'd like to say. Yeah, and, and that support needs to go both ways. So mm-hmm. um, the bottom is most likely to be the person injured, realistically. Um, but that doesn't mean the top isn't going to have uh, feel some feels or need some support. Now, it might be that some of that support comes from elsewhere also. Sure. Yeah. Um, it might be quite difficult for the bottom to support the top if they're the one injured. So I think it's worth being conscious of that. But as much as possible, be in the injury together, not it's the bottom injured and it's their problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And talking helps a lot, obviously. 
uh, can be talking with the person you tied with and uh, the injury happened, can be talking with your community at large because probably in your community other people have had BDSM injuries, have caused them, have received them, uh, know the guilt, feelings that can happen and so on. And also one thing I found quite useful is um, discussing it on the rope incident report group Mm -hmm. uh, because A, they're quite good at giving people support, I feel. And also they can help you understand what happened, uh, especially if there's uh, uh, a biomechanic aspect of your incident. They can help you identify what went wrong and how to not do it again. Uh, and yeah, I found them very useful as a debrief tool mm. for rope injuries. Yeah, and understanding the mechanics and thinking, okay, well, what given what I now know about this injury, what would I do differently in future, I think is a big yeah. part of um, how we react to injuries. I would say it's a big part of how we progress as rigors and walk bottoms. Sure. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free, far from it actually. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. Uh, then you can try to think about your risk profile uh, because... If this happened, were you aware it was a possibility? If not, how okay are you with it? Are you going to change the way you tie so that doesn't happen again? Or are you saying, okay, this happened. I understand it can happen, but as part of my risk profile, I'm still going to do what I was doing because I think it's worth it, basically. Or it might be, and I say this is from a particular injury that I had, that you still do the thing, but you're a lot more sensitive to any signs of injury. Mm -hmm. And whereas before you might let something go a little bit, um, now any sign of that, you might stop. That, that kind of thing. So it can yeah, affect yeah. how you're still doing the tie, but it can affect how you do it also. Yeah. Uh, and you can also have a bit of reflection around depending on the injury and how it affected you emotionally and physically, you can ask yourself, is it smart for me to take a little break? Like I need to let my body recover from this or I feel really guilty about having hurt this person. I need to like take a couple of weeks off before I tie again. Or on the other hand, do you feel like uh, you can play again in an hour? Yeah. And I, I'm not saying you should do one or the other. I'm saying you should ask yourself what's right for you. Sure, and and a lot of this is people making the plan that, that works for them. Mm -hmm. uh, also, one thing that can be easily forgotten, sometimes someone gets injured because of a pre-existing condition that you had no way, either of you had any way of knowing about. Like they have some uh, anatomical unusual thing. So in your case, Maya, we know that some uh, of the uh, nerves in your forearm have an atypical positioning. So yeah. that's something we ran into before. And now we know, but before we knew, we didn't know. Uh, and people can have all kinds of health problems that have never been diagnosed and will uh, manifest for the first time in the rope. And then, mm. well, basically, it's just bad luck. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, so we've, we've had an injury and we've reacted, but how are we going to actually treat our injuries? What can we do to make them better? So as a disclaimer, uh, I did go to med school, but I'm not a doctor. <clears throat> so what I'm going to say should not be taken as medical advice. Yeah. Uh, for nerve damage, there's not a lot we can do that is proven to do anything. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's me there's medicine, there's pills, but that's for a long-term nerve injury. You're not going to be doing that in the short. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, to be clear, once again, we're, we're not coming to these subjects as neurosurgeons, but then again, most of the random people who give you bizarre advice on the internet are not neurosurgeons yeah. either. So. I'm, I'm coming to this as a person with a chronic nerve injury from yeah. not rope. Uh, yeah. So a chronic nerve injury from outside rope, and I can tell you that there is almost nothing um, that helps nerve injuries, um, apart from, in my case, some um, medicine, some pills. Sure. But in trying to stop them getting worse, it just seems to be that rest is the main thing. Mm -hmm. So you might find people who suggest uh, you take certain herbs or supplements. It will tell you this. Yeah, or you can put clay on it. I've, I've you can that. do a dance at the full moon. I mean, you are entitled to believe what you want to believe, but we haven't seen a credible source uh, that scientifically demonstrates uh, that those things would help. But we'd be very interested uh, if people have. So I, I think for all of this, if you want to share things in our comments, or you yeah, want to okay, that'd be stuff, then we'd be very interesting. We're happy to share it. And we'll but try not to flame each other to death, but have a constructive <laughs> conversation about it. Sure. <laughs> uh, one thing I see sometimes that seems to actually have a demonstrated detrimental effect would be applying ice to a nerve injury. So tell us about that. Um, well, basically, it's not going to help with the healing, and it might damage the nerve further. So I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Um, so what about other other things? So burns, abrasions, blisters, what do we do with those? Okay, so burns and abrasions and blisters, we actually can do very useful things too. And there's a variety of creams. That are easily available. You can carry a tube of them in your play bag, and they are super helpful. What um, kind of cream, so that people can look out for them in their own country? Uh, well, I think it's going to be uh, named differently in different countries anyway. But basically, know, but those do? those creams that are used to treat burns that have the main goal of rehydrating the skin, because your your skin is uh, losing hydration when it's uh, open, it's bleeding out water, basically. So you want to rehydrate it and are going to disinfect it and make sure it doesn't get worse. Yeah, yeah. And blister, blister cream also. There's blister cream out there. Uh, um, on the small blisters and such, you can put a plaster that will prevent them from uh, rubbing against clothing. Yeah, and, so and that is worth it if you have clothing over a, a burn or a abrasion because mm -hmm. it can really hurt. <laughs> sure. Um, obviously, if you have any kind of broken bone in a scene, and we're talking fairly serious injuries, be mindful of how you transport a person, because that's quite critical, especially with anything regarding the any spine. Any spinal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, what we should say is, if your injury is serious and 
if you have any doubt, and especially if it includes a head injury, go to hospital, get it checked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or That's any, kind of important. <laughs> uh, also, anything where someone lost consciousness, yeah. that's, that warrants a visit to the hospital right there. Yeah, very much so. Uh, then we have our bruises, which we don't necessarily need to treat. Um, if you have a bruise in a bad place, I'm not super familiar with what you can do to make it go away faster. Do you have anything, Maya? Um, yeah, there were some um, creams. I mean, I don't use them because I like bruises, but um, I have uh, sub sub friends who use um, like Arnica cream, things like that, and they feel that that works. Uh, so Arnica is one that people use. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, I'll ask again. If I find anything, I'll put them in the show notes. But in general, um, letting them heal is what you have to do. Okay. I mean, you can always use. You can hide stuff. I mean, this is uh, sad truth. Like bruises on your neck, you can wear a scarf. You can wear trousers, you can wear long sleeves. Um, and I guess there's are... some kinds of makeup you can put over a bruise that will make it fainter. Yeah, although that looks like you're being abused. I mean, <laughs> it does, it you, does, I guess, yeah. you have to be a bit careful with this because, you know, and, you know, being able to tell the truth to some people can be helpful. Yeah. Um, even if you just, you don't have to talk about BDSM, you can just say you did it in sex and that's usually a bit more palatable for people. Like, Rough sex being more palatable than being tied up and caned. Okay. Um, so what about your – so both of us have had experiences with injury. Fox, what, um, can you tell us a bit about yours? What happened? Uh, so one particular experience that was uh, quite the learning experience for me happened when I was tying a young woman who I was quite fond of. And – we did a suspension in a fairly intense scene that uh, lasted for two hours or more. And she was fine after the scene. We aftercared for a long time. We debriefed at length. And she was she was good. And more than 24 hours after the scene, uh, she identified some uh, symptoms. And it took her... 24 hours to identify the symptoms and then it took her longer than that to mention them to me because she wasn't sure whether they were there or not, whether they were, were real or they, she was imagining it. She didn't necessarily know how to broach the subject and so on. Uh, and it was quite difficult for us to pinpoint the source of the injury. We didn't really understand the biomechanics of what happened. Uh, and so the nature of the problem was she had a loss of uh, surface sensation in an area. So definitely a nerve type uh, problem, but we couldn't find a, a specific uh, thing to do with the ties we'd done that matched. So there wasn't any rope on the area? Yeah, that would... there was no rope on any area that had anything to do with the place of the body where the sensation was numb. And that was driving you a bit crazy, right? Well, it's... It's not easy when you don't understand how something happened. Um, And I tend to shy away from ties that, for instance, go anywhere near the radial nerve. I don't tie TKs, for instance. Yeah. And so to have tied what I considered safer ties and then to have her have this mysterious nerve injury was a bit destabilizing. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and also there was a whole uh, emotional and social aspect to it because this, uh, this woman was the slave of a friend. So there was a lot of uh, different things at play here because it trusted me to play with her slave and her slave had an injury as a result of that play. So it was a bit complicated. I'm not mm. going to lie. And so what I did after discussing it with her at length is I made a report on um, the Rope Incident Report Group on FetLife, mm-hmm. which A, was helpful for us to um, phrase the whole thing, like be sure we understood the facts right and so on. So that in itself was useful as part of the process. Uh, and then the, the answers were very, very helpful. And allowed us to uh, work out what had happened. And what had happened, in fact, uh, is that she was wearing her slave collar during the play, because even though she was playing with me, obviously, she was still her master's slave, and for her to wear that symbol was very important. And I had not accounted for the collar in the biomechanics of the tie. And she was in a face-up um, full suspension and their head was hanging back and down in a way that's usually not a problem except what this did is it caused her big leather collar to dig into uh, the back of her neck and to compress some nerves there mm. and honestly so I, would, are... I would never have thought of that if not uh, for the help of the RIR group. Hmm. So what um, what were your learnings in this? Like, what did you do differently, or what did it impact? What was the the learnings? Well, definitely one of the learning is that not all rope related injuries are caused directly by the rope. Yeah. But they can be caused by the position, or by other items, other toys, and so on. And a very pragmatic difference it made for me is that I have a pre-rope standard interview in writing that I do with every single person I tie with before I tie with them for the first time. And I have added the question, do you have any piece of equipment or jewelry you don't want to take off during the scene? And that to me serves as a reminder that I need to think about what that will do in the rope. Yeah, and I think it also influenced the type of collar you bought me, right? Because mm-hmm. I got my collar after the. This was relatively early in our relationship, and I got my collar after that. Um, and so I don't have a big leather collar. <laughs> no, you definitely have a collar that was chosen so as not to interfere uh, with any kind with, of tie. For the rope that we do. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. So what about you, Maya? Have you ever been uh, injured as part of rope? Uh, I have. Um, happily, relatively small injuries, but um, nonetheless uh, disturbing. The okay. first time I had an injury uh, was very early in our relationship, mm-hmm. um, and that would have been when we'd done, um, we were long distance at the time, and we had only done, I think this was our third like week together, um, and we'd done a lot of rope within a short period, like maybe four or five days. We As did... we do. <laughs> As we do. We did a lot of rope during that period, in- including my first suspensions, I think. Um, and 
not at the time, but afterwards. So when I was flying home, because we were in different countries, um, I had um, a bit of a numb thumb, um, but not very much. And it took me quite a while to, first of all, be confident it was actually an injury and not something I was imagining. It was a very small area, so so not um, not very big. How big how big um, are we talking? Um, I'm gonna say a 50p piece, but that's not very helpful. Uh, an inch square, maybe an inch and a half square, something like that. So is that like a, a stamp, size-wise? Yeah, a bit bigger than a stamp. Okay. Um, so, um, not huge, uh, but definitely after a while I could feel it. And I did mention it to you, but I probably didn't talk about it in a very confident way. Mm -hmm. And when it didn't get much traction or it didn't seem to be a thing that you were worried about, I just let it go. But it lasted for two months. Um, and now I look back and I think, I can't believe that I that that I did that or that I didn't understand it better. So my um, my the effect that it had on me was when you had your incident with the girl that you're talking about. You said, "Oh, this is my first injury," and for me that was super <laughs> upsetting because, like, obviously we'd had this injury beforehand, yeah. so it had quite a lasting effect on me. So and we'd, that we'd kind of failed to both identify it and definitely recognize it as a rope injury at first. Yeah, and I knew it was a rope. Like, I was confident by then it was a rope injury, but I didn't know why it had happened, mm. um, which, as you say, can be problematic, and it felt a bit weird. So I had that first, but then um, I later had a very similar injury Um so same place, same hand, in fact, same thumb, um, where, again, I had this um, numbness in the same kind of area. And so then, and, and again, we were struggling to kind of work out where it came from. And I was better then about sharing it. But I also have a lot of baggage from having a chronic pain condition. In fact, having two chronic conditions, both of which took a very long time to diagnose um, and having a chronic pain condition where it's like spread in weird ways and a lot of um, feelings about making stuff up um, from having been through the medical system. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was all a bit challenging, but I did share it more with you and you wanted to share it on the incident report and I really wasn't keen at all. So like, why, would... why were you resistant to doing that? Because for me, the way I process is I deal with things privately before I want to go anywhere near them publicly. Whereas you share things publicly sometimes while they're happening, and I find that super difficult. Um, But in this case, uh, I could see that you were also quite upset about it in your own way. And it felt fairer to you to be able to do that. Um, Because I was trying very hard to remember that it was both of us involved and it wasn't Mm -hmm. just me. So you, you had to get over uh, that obstacle of not really wanting to share it. And then what happened? Um, then in this case, it was very useful because someone identified it for us as um, a handcuff injury. And the way that they described it was exactly as it as it was. And that helped both of us understand the mechanics mm-hmm. of how it might happen. 
and it validated it for me and helped me feel like both that and the last one were real yeah. things. And in fact, it had a very scientific name. It was a Wartenberg syndrome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, it's something that we could understand and look at how our ties affect it. And um, so that was very helpful. And and understand your, anat- your personal anatomy better and why you are um, more affected by ties in certain places of your arm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, and and it's interesting in terms of the learnings for me of those two. You know, it was very much a reminder that rope is dangerous. Um, I think that's, you know, I, I think sometimes having a small injury is not a bad thing. Like, I don't regret mm. the two. The it makes three. you respect the rope, doesn't it? Yeah, it very much does. Um, and what's interesting is both of them came from very successful scenes. Mm. So the scenes themselves were were good scenes um and so i guess how we kind of integrate that is is more challenging it's not so obvious to me like the learning is more well work is dangerous sometimes you're going to get injured and i guess i would be a lot more sensitive to any kind of um potential nerve signs in my hands now but anything i would i would come out of rope and have come out of rope more quickly since then than i would have beforehand sure um, and then I had another one. Yeah, it was your hands again, wasn't it? It was my hands again, yeah. I mean, my so one of my learnings is that, my, and I kind of know this from the chronic pain, is that my body is quite sensitive. Yeah. I'm not super robust. Um, so I had another one, this time in my right hand, which was um, fingers uh, rather than the thumb. Uh-huh. Um, and that one we, we don't have great answers for still. Yeah. Um, it came off a very dynamic and very sexy uh, CNC scene where we were doing rope that was a lot more movement-based. So, yeah, so for our listeners, CNC is consensual non-consent, so it was a bit of a more violent scene with more resistance from the bottom as well. Yeah, which is not something I do very much at all. <laughs> um, and it was a very different kind of injury um so the the two before were numbness which i think is quite common as a nerve injury but this was much more like tingly burning um and it was very unpleasant like it hurt the other one was tedious and scary but it wasn't like active pain whereas this was active pain and i um, do a lot of typing for a living and so that was also uh, problematic because i was using my hands and it was hurting more so it was a more scary injury in that way um, yeah. and reminded me that nerve pain feels can feel really different. And how long did that one uh, stay around for? Um, that was relatively short-lived, like, um, I can't remember exactly, but maybe a week or two, okay. so it wasn't um, super long. And I feel lucky that that didn't stick around because it sure. would have sucked. So yeah, uh, basically I guess the takeaway from this is nerve injuries can take all kinds of forms and sometimes you understand them and sometimes you don't and sometimes they're here for long and sometimes they go away pretty quick. Yeah, but rope is dangerous and having that respect for the rope and understanding your risk profile, which we talked about quite a few times before, I think is really important. Yeah, uh, if our dear listeners would like to share in the comments section some uh, tales of what kind of injuries uh, they've had and how long it took for them to heal and so on, that would be pretty interesting. It'd be really helpful for others as well. Yeah. So that's all from us at the Rope Podcast. 
So don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever. And come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. You can also find us easily at ropepodcast.com. We love questions from listeners, so drop us a message on FET, and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.